Welcome to Gracious Words. Gracious Words is taken from the weekly women's Bible study taught by Cheryl Broderson at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California. We behold your glory, God, in the face of Christ. It shows us who you are, revealing who you are. Today we'll look at Jesus, our great high priest. He goes before us into heaven and went before us in this life. He has been through everything we could possibly encounter and sympathizes with us in our pain and suffering. Cheryl's message titled, Four Reasons for Rest. And Elisha began to cry. And he said, oh, if you would have kept pounding, and if you would have put strength and effort in it, then you would have wiped out the Assyrians. But now you will only have victory three times, and then they will wipe you out. Oh, my sisters, do not stop. The Word of God is living and powerful. Don't stop pounding. Don't stop pounding heaven. Don't stop giving it. My dad used to say, you know what? If they won't receive it, paraphrase it. And just keep giving them scriptures because it won't return void. Just put it another way. You know, I remember this kid that was, he spoke so dirty and he turned everything into a sexual innuendo in my Latin class. That's another story why I was in Latin. But he just, you know, kept doing it. And my dad said, tell them this. Some people's minds are like, like racehorses. They run best in a dirt track. I'm like, dad, I, I don't think I'm going to say that. And he goes, yes, but to the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are defiled, that was his paraphrase. (laughs) I didn't use it. I did my own. Use the word of God. Use it. It's your hammer. It's going to break the rock in pieces. It's going to take that block of marble and make it a piata. Make it a, make it a David. Make it, those are statues by Michelangelo. He started with a block. In fact, in Florence, the great David that's there, it was a block of marble that other great artists had started to, but they had put a crack through it. And they said it was a worthless block of of marble. But somebody said, let's see if Michelangelo can do anything with it. And he began to chip with a hammer. And what you have today is a priceless work of art, the statue of David. Oh, don't stop. Just because the enemy said it's ruined, it's no good, this will never be anything. You do not believe the lie. The word of God works and you can rest because it works. If God's given you a promise, he's going to do it. It rests. It is piercing. It is penetrating. It is identifying. It discerns our thoughts. It says, that's a lie. That's the truth. 
It discerns our own thoughts. It tells us the thoughts of others and why they think as they do. And you can pray. You can pray their thoughts. You can enter their mind and their thoughts and you can pray. You can rest in God's word. Take heart. You can know that it will happen just as God promised in his word. Next, verse 13, God sees everything, everything. You know the times that you think someone got away with something? You know those times? Well, they got away with that one. Well, let me tell you, no one gets away with anything. Sometimes because we don't believe that God sees and God's going to work, we want to publicly out people. We want to go on Facebook and say, no, this person is really like this and this and this and this. Don't believe there is a wolf under that sheep's costume. And you think that everyone is believing their lies and falling for their deception and following their hypocrisy and faltering because of their pretense. But let me tell you, God sees it all and no one gets away with anything. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him whom we must give account. There will be a reckoning. God is absolutely righteous and everyone will give an account before God. Rest. Because God knows every weapon of the enemy. He knows where they are forming them. He knows the thoughts, the intents, the plans, the formations of the enemy. And he knows the enemy's people and minions. No one, no thought, no plan, no activity, yesterday or today can be hidden from God. Nothing can be hidden from God. God will spoil the plans of the enemy as we take his word, take his promises, mix it with faith as we pray. God will bring truth and justice to light at the right time in the right way. You need to preach God's word to yourself and his promises. You need to preach to yourself the truth of who God is and that he sees everything. But you also need to preach to yourself that you have a high priest you have a great high priest, a high priest who is righteous. He alone was able to go directly to heaven. Jesus went before us. Remember how he said, I go to prepare a place for you in John chapter 15. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, you may be also. And Jesus said, therefore, do not let your hearts be troubled. Don't be anxious. Don't be troubled to rest because I'm going before you. You know, Jesus didn't just go before us into heaven. He went before us in this life. He has lived everything that you could possibly go through. He has suffered. He has been tempted. He knows what rejection feels like. He knows what betrayal feels like. He knows what it's like to be hungry and tired and not trusted He knows what it is to be forsaken by friends, to be humiliated, to be accused and falsely maligned, to be opposed. He knows it all. He knows it all. He has been through it. He knows our pain and he empathizes and he sympathizes with us in our human experience. I go back to Mary in John chapter 11. 
You know, too often we think that Jesus is saying, don't cry. Stop that. Come on. You know, be positive. But when he met Mary, And Mary fell at his feet crying, saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus didn't say, Mary, get up. I'm going to raise your brother. Let's get to that tomb. Let's roll away that stone. Stand back. He wept. He groaned in his spirit. He wept. Even though he was about to raise Lazarus from the dead, he took the time to weep and empathize with Mary and Martha to feel their pain. Jesus today is taking the time. He is going to do a great work. He himself knows what he's about to do. But even right now, as you're still going through it, as you're still feeling it, Jesus is weeping with you. He is feeling it with you, not apart from you. It says in Lamentations, in all their affliction, he was afflicted. He doesn't let you have one pain or sorrow to yourself. He enters it and he shares it with us as our great high priest at the same time making intercession for us before the throne room of God, preparing to get us through it. He accompanies us. He never leaves us alone. He walks with us. I've told you this before, but as a little girl, my favorite scripture still is Isaiah 41, 13. For I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying to you, fear not, I am with you. I remember as a little girl being scared of the dark, pulling the blankets over my head, but sticking my little right hand out, saying, okay, hold my hand because it's dark in here. And just grabbing onto the hand of the Lord. Our high priest never leaves us. Our high priest is prestigious. He is the son of God. There is no higher personage in heaven or on earth or in the universe than our great high priest, the son of God. He understands our hardship. He knows our pain. He empathizes with us. He has been through the human experience, but our high priest is perfect. He is without sin. He resisted sin and he gives us the power and the plan to resist sin. He is invincible. The enemy cannot touch him. And we are victorious through him. You know, other people that are like not sinning, they can get self-righteous and and conceited. And you don't want to be around them. You know those people? Like, oh, your child rebelled? Oh, hmm, keep them away from mine. My little sinless Pharisees that I'm raising, keep them away. Jesus is absolutely righteous, but not the least bit conceited. He said, I am lowly in heart. I'm humble. I'm gentle. I'm approachable. I understand. He does not upbraid us. When you come to Jesus, he doesn't go, well, you didn't do this and you should have done that. No, he says, I love you. I understand. I'm here to help, and I'll walk through this with you. When we are full of anxiety, isn't it great to talk to someone who has been through it? Oh, I I went through that. I remember that with my oldest child. Or I could say, I remember that with my son. You know, God gave me four, four different experiences, four different individuals that are all 
a miracle. That I walk through something with each one of them. Totally different. But it helps me to relate to whatever someone's going through. Like, been there, done that. And Jesus helped me through it. But you know, when you're full of anxiety, it doesn't help to talk to somebody who has gone through it and come through it victoriously, who listens and understands and says, I'll walk you through this. Well, that's exactly what you have in Jesus. Somebody who understands, who listens, who says, I've been there. I know the way to victory. Here, take my hand. I'll walk you through every step, every part. I'll show you what papers to fill out, what papers and where you file them and what to do. We have bold access. Finally, last point, we have bold access to God's throne room. Through prayer, we have all the grace we need. And grace is God's sufficiency for any deficiency. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. It's God's sufficiency for any deficiency. It's where the kingdom of God meets the problems of earth. It's everything and anything we could possibly need for this problem. And it's all available 24-7 to us in the throne room of God. We come boldly. When I lived in England, there's Hampton Court. It's where Henry VIII used to live. And William of Orange, who was one of the kings of England, he made this his, his palace, his great palace. And when you go there, they tell you that people would come by the hundreds and sometimes by the thousands to see William of Orange. And it was a big deal if you could make it through the gates of the palace and into the courtyard. That was a big deal. But only some people could make it through those gates. And then only some other people could make it from the courtyard into the palace. And you were going past all these fierce guards, like that were saying, and trying to intimidate you from going any further. If you made it into this palace room that they take you into, along the top is all swords and spears and all sorts of implements of battle to scare you and like, is your problem really that important or would you rather just go home? And then they would call you into another room where you would wait. Now, none of these rooms had chairs, no place to sit because they wanted to make you as uncomfortable as possible as you waited to get into William of Orange. Then you would go into a second chamber. Again, no chairs. And then only a few who have gone through this filter system would be able to go in to the chamber room of William of Orange. Yes, chamber room, his dressing room, because that would be the real privilege. You could watch him get dressed and you might get into that room, but very few were allowed to talk or have an audience with William of Orange. You know what? In Jesus Christ, we go right through the gates into the palace, right through the courtyard, right through the palace door, right past the guards, and right into the throne room of grace, the most important throne, the greatest power and prestige ever is that throne room. And there we obtain mercy. We there are forgiven and wanted. Mercy is such an incredible word. The Greek word is eleos, eleos. In in the New Testament, it's translated all sorts of different places. It's translated compassion, forgiveness, faithful love, because it's all that and more. Mercy, 
Mercy means that we are accepted, that we are wanted, that we are forgiven, that we are fully equipped and have everything, all the papers signed and sealed, the credentials that we need to get into the throne room of God. And all this is ours as we come into the throne room of grace and we find help in the time of need. You know, sometimes we think, oh, I've waited too long to ask God. I should have gone at the beginning. God says, right now is the time. Do it now. Don't put it off. Any time is the right time to go into the throne room of grace. And there, all we need to get through, all we need for victory, all we need to continue, all we need to stand, all the wisdom, all the strength, all the righteousness, all the instruction, all the hope, all the peace, whatever we need, God's divine sufficiency for our inadequacy, for our deficiency is given to us there in prayer at the throne room of grace. In John 16, 2, Jesus said, until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive that your joy may be full. How many of you need joy? And how many of you need it like brimming? I love the hands being raised. Don't be embarrassed. Even though those others didn't, we know that they're raising their hand in their hearts. I want my joy brimming. I want my cup overflowing with joy. I want the marker of God's joy on my life. And people will say, oh, your circumstances must be wonderful. Oh, no, they're not. You can't see, but I have scalded thighs. I'm in pain. It's that grace that's there right now that's bringing us joy. God will give you in that throne room exactly what you need. Maybe not what you asked for, but what you need. And as Tim Keller puts it, he gives you what you would have asked for if you had his knowledge and his wisdom and could see what he sees. So that four years from now, you're like, he gave me exactly what I needed. He gave me exactly what I needed. We can rest because we have all we need for this trial as we come boldly into the throne of grace where we are accepted, wanted, forgiven, justified, and blessed. And we enter this room every time we pray in Jesus' name. Because Jesus died on the cross, because Jesus rose from the dead, because Jesus atoned and paid in full the penalty of my sins, because Jesus has made me righteous, I come on the merits of Jesus and in the company of Jesus. I come to the throne room of grace. But we must be diligent to enter this rest. We must be diligent. We can't ignore it. We can't neglect it. We must show diligence. This word diligence is the Greek word spadazo, and it means make haste, speed, effort, earnestness, exertion. Enter into this rest. It is yours. So preach it to yourself. Tell yourself, about the fact that God's word is living and powerful and it discerns the thoughts and it penetrates right to the bone. Preach it to yourself. Preach to yourself that God sees everything and he doesn't miss anything. Preach it to yourself. Preach it to yourself that you have a high priest that loves you and understands and empathizes and is interceding for you and is on your side. 
Preach it to yourself. Preach it to yourself that you have bold access 24-7 into the throne room of grace where you will obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Proclaim it. Proclaim it to others. Proclaim it to yourself. Process it. Think it. When those anxious thoughts come at night, instead say, no, I'm going to think about what it means that God's word is living and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. I'm going to think about what it means that it goes all the way to the bone. I'm going to think about what it means that God sees everything. And I'm going to say, God, you saw this and you saw this and you see this and you see this and you see what I cannot see. You see the future. You see the inside thoughts and motivations of men and you see their day of salvation or their day of destruction. You see it. And I'm going to process, I'm going to meditate. I'm going to think that out. You are my high priest. I'm going to think what that means. I'm going to process it through this situation. I'm going to process what it is that I come to a throne room of grace, not a throne room of judgment, not a throne room of, of condemnation but a throne room of grace where I obtain mercy. I'm going to process that. I'm going to think that out. I'm going to look up the word mercy in Webster's. I'm going to go big. I'm going to praise the Lord. And I'm going to say, Lord, I praise you that your word is alive and living and powerful. And this promise is mine. I'm going to praise you for this promise. I'm going to praise you that you see everything. I'm going to praise you because You are my high priest and you love me. I'm going to praise you because I'm in your throne room right now. And as you do, you will receive in exchange the peace of God that passes all understanding and it will rule. And that word rule is the Greek word to govern or set a garrison or an army around your heart and mind. Philippians 4, 7. As you meditate on these, as you, again, I'm going to say it, preach it, proclaim it, process it, praise the Lord and practice, walk it out, walk it out, girls. Here it is again. These truths are my own truths. These are so personal to me. This is not something that I haven't processed. This is not something that is just like, let's all try it. This is my life. This is where I live. This is where you'll find me in these four verses. God's word works and it will not fail. I can count on the promises and the word of God to get me through. God saw it and sees what I don't see. And he has gone before me in everything. I don't need to know what the enemy is up to. I don't have to go on Facebook I don't have to prepare for it. God already saw it and is preparing me for it and will deal with it. Jesus is my high priest. He is interceding for me. He is listening to me. He is for me. He understands me. He sympathizes with me. He's already been through this and he will bring me through victoriously. I have bold access 24-7 to God's throne of grace. I can go any time to God's throne. There I am heard, there I am forgiven, there I am accepted, there I am wanted. And there is where I receive all I need for any and all situations life can throw at me. These, these are the greatest causes, the greatest sources, the greatest reasons, principles for truths, I didn't even know what to call it because it's so many things. In these 
four reasons, truths, principles, promises. This is where rest is. This is where rest is. Take it. And this is what I want you to do with it. Don't forget these four. Don't forget these four. Don't just like go to chapter 11 and go, oh, there was something in chapter four that was kind of good. No, these are yours. So here's what you're going to do with it. Ready? You know this. Preach it. Proclaim it. Process it. Praise and practice. And you will rest and you will find rest. Jesus is our high priest, and what a gift and privilege it is to belong to Him. He intercedes for us. He listens and understands us. He sympathizes with us in our sufferings. And as we look to Him, He brings us through the trials of life victorious. Because of Jesus, we have bold access to God's throne of grace, where we can find mercy and help in our time of need. In Jesus, we receive all we need for any situation that life presents us. In Jesus, we are forgiven and accepted and can find true rest. We hope you have been blessed by today's Bible study. For more information about the Gracious Words radio program and the teaching ministry of Cheryl Broderson, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. Coming up next time on the Gracious Words program, we'll look at how to keep our passion for God alive as we continue our series, Our Great Faith, in the book of Hebrews with Cheryl Broderson. We do hope you make plans to join us. Again, for more information, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. This program is sponsored by Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.